This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Welcome to another episode of Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour Podcast. I am your host, Elisa Benson. And one of our favorite things to talk about on the podcast every week, of course, is sex and dating and relationships. So I'm so thrilled that we are joined by the most famous sex and relationships writer in the entire world, Candace Bushnell, author of many books, including Sex and the City, which basically inspired millions of us, including myself, if I'm being totally honest, to move to New York City and have a fabulous life. Hi, Candace. Hi. How are you? I'm feeling very guilty now. I hope you're having a fabulous life. <laughs> you know, I am having a fabulous life, actually. Um, and also in the room is Cosmopolitan.com feature editor, Emma Barker. Hi, Emma. Hi. And Emma, you've been you've been here before. Yeah, <laughs> I so mean, many Candace times. is world famous. Emma's been here before, yeah. basically. Candace um, is world famous, and I have like a few hundred Twitter followers. maybe a few hundred and one after this podcast if all goes well but the reason we were all in the room today is because Candace has been writing about sex and relationships for decades and decades but for the first time in 20 years she wrote a piece for cosmopolitan.com about dating again and trying tinder um Candace, how would so the piece is now live on cosmopolitan.com. Candace Bushnell trying Tinder for the first time. How in one word would you sum up your experience of trying Tinder? Surprising. Surprising. It it actually was surprising in the sense that it's uh, you know, I interviewed a lot of people that that ended up getting cut out of the piece, but there was a certain sadness to it that that I was unexpected, I would say. And I just, I don't remember, you know, dating was always hard, but I don't remember, you know, there's this kind of sadness to it of, it takes so much effort. I mean, I heard a story of one woman who, she found her husband on online dating. She went on a thousand dates. Literally one Literally one thousand dates. Dates to find someone that just—that's like years of your life. It, it, I, I don't even know how she must have gone on like two dates a day. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a full-time job. Yeah, at least two dates a day. So Emma, this was—you had reached out to Candace about doing this amazing piece yeah. for us. Talk to us about why this felt like such a delicious Cosmo story to you, and reaching out to Candace. Well, the idea actually came up is because one of the young staffers at Cosmopolitan.com, which is. You know, we have some staff members who just graduated college and they're like 22 and whatever. So she was just discovering Sex and the City for the first time and she was reading the book. Um, And, you know, she was like, I'm just like 
obsessed with Candace Bushnell. I love this book so much. And you were like, duh, welcome to my life. Yeah, and That's I was like, duh, here. obviously, everyone. But um, I just was kind of like, what is, like, is Candace dating? Like, what, is she still dating? Like, what's going on? And I just was kind of, like, Googling around... I knew you had, like, written Killing Monica last year. Right. And Candace wrote a new novel, Killing Monica, that came out last year. And there was, like, press surrounding that. But I didn't really know much about, like, your personal life currently. And I saw that you had gotten divorced a few years ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to reach out. Like, what if she's dating on Tinder? and What if she loves Tinder? (laughs) Yeah. And just, like, has a brilliant perspective on... Because I'm sure you have a brilliant perspective on everything. Um, and, like, miraculously, she was like, yes, I like, I really want to try Tinder. Like, I think this would be fun. Let's do it. And, um, well, I think there there was something about, I mean, Emma's a, you're a fantastic editor. Thanks. And, you know, as a, as a writer, that's, like, one of the things that you, you know, you want is you want to have an editor who can edit and, you know, has ideas and, and you know, is kind of like, you know, really behind the piece. So I, I just thought Emma's, I mean, first of all, I was like, wow, nobody has actually reached out and asked me to write a piece about dating for a long time. And I thought, you know what, why not? I've just moved back to the city. And, you know, the reality is these pieces take a lot of legwork in a in in a sense. I mean, there's it's like the old fashioned shoe leather kind of thing where you really have to go out and report the story, <clears throat> talk to people, and um, you know, so it's a lot of it's a lot of effort. Right. And so for people who haven't read the story yet, go immediately to Cosmopolitan.com and read it because it's amazing and it's so fun. It's actually, it's, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, that it was there was almost a bit of sadness in talking to people about Tinder because the story is so fun. The story is, it is, it is really fun. And it just lent itself to so much humor um, because it's at the end of the day, it is you know human beings are funny, and <laughs> and I I was thinking about this last night. Dating is probably one of the most awkward things that people have ever had to do. Right, like, you know, second from to like sex. the beginning of time, <laughs> yeah, second to sex. I mean, you open yourself up to. Um, you know, disappointments and and you make yourself really vulnerable, and it can be very awkward. Um, so one just has to have a sense of humor about it. And you write so sort of the the I guess the way your story starts is talking about getting this call from Emma about writing this piece and you saying like oh you know maybe it's time as we kind of just discussed. Um, you end up trying Tinder. I love that you talk about the magical pink waves I, I when was, you open up I, the app. You know, it, I was expecting Tinder to be, because I, I had never gone on it, which is pretty typical for one of the olds. <laughs> but I, I have, you know, a couple of friends who live in New York City who had been on it who are my age. But it's a much more, it's a much more kind of secretive thing that they don't really talk about and of course it's interesting because when people are older and they do it it ends up being the same crop of men 
that have been in New York City for the last 30 years <laughs> and I'm still single. It's like You're like uh, I dated that loser uh, in 2002. <laughs> or it's like, you know, my friend dated him. Right. Um so now I can't remember what I was going to say, but I thought it was going to be very very male oriented and I thought it was very clever how it was it you know, it looked very user friendly and kind of cartoonish and right and you know you even it, say in your piece it it almost made you feel like a disney princess i felt like a disney princess i was like there's my picture and look all these guys <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people go into online dating with that kind of feeling though especially women because it's like all these guys like me i must be like so beautiful and like magnetic and just like magical and then it's like <laughs> two seconds later you get like a like picture of a boner sent to you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That never happened to me. I was still waiting I for the boner so picture. So impressed. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was one thing that was abnormal about your experience is <laughs> no one sent you a dick pic. Um, the second thing that was maybe you know you write about going on a date with this guy named Jude who you sort of connect with right away um, and it's so funny the way that it's set up in the story the sort of suspense of meeting him for the first time will he show will he not show do you want to talk a little bit about that experience and what ultimately ended up happening you thought you had met a tinder unicorn it turned out uh, maybe not to be the case yes and I think that he you know it's I still wonder a little bit why he did, why he agreed to do the story, but he was perfect. Because you told him, you told him before oh, you guys met up that you were writing a story. Well, that well, that was one of the first things that he had messaged me, you know. Right. Do you, you know, we have a Facebook friend in common, blah, blah, blah. Are you doing this for research? And I said, yes, actually, I am. So then he kind of kept messaging me and, and I, I felt like this person's probably... He, he turned out to be kind of interesting and a little wacky. He was really, really sweet and really nice. And and he was actually very calm. You know, I was kind of nervous, you know, because, you know, it's hard to believe, but, I, you know, I've never met anybody online. Um, and he was like, oh, it's all going to be okay. It's going to be <laughs> fine. And then after our second Tinder date... Um, Again, he was a vegetarian, but I guess I was like so, you know, nervous from being on these Tinder dates. I was like, I need a hamburger. <laughs> so on our second Tinder date, we went to see a, this really, really interesting play. And then we went to get a hamburger. And of course, he only ate French fries again. And then I was like, I think maybe you're manorexic. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what was going on with him. Um but then he gave me a hug afterward, and maybe it was because he was standing up on the curb. But I was like, oh my God, he's so tall. And and <laughs> and there was something so reassuring about him. And I thought, this is what This is yeah. love. You know, this is this is this is something, you know, where it happens so rarely where they a guy like hugs you and it makes you feel like, oh, everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. And then of course. He wanted to make a plan for another Tinder date, and I agreed. And, <laughs> and that's where it all went downhill. And that's when it all went downhill. He just did not show up, and, and he said he ended up in the ER. Typical he was arrested. Man. <laughs> Typical man. He was 
sedated. <laughs> it was like a checklist. Of, I was like, how could all of this happen to like one person in three hours? <laughs> and, then, and then he lost track of time for 12 hours. It was like, and of course. I was sort of curious as to whether or not it was real or made or up. Or just crazy. But it's like, does it even matter? It doesn't matter. Right. The point is, like, you thought you found a Tinder unicorn. You had a moment of standing next to him in the curb and thinking, maybe. And then, of course, it all went up in flames, which is also, how every experience on Tinder like, I've ever had. Like, men losing like, track of 12 hours is so real. It's so it's real. <laughs> like, what happens? Right. Exactly. Are you playing that video never, games? Right. Like, that never happens to women. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting in your story is when you're meeting up with Jude for this third date that of course he never shows for and then texts this crazy response about being in the ER and losing track of 12 hours. You make a point in your story about going over um, the Brooklyn Bridge and it reminding you of that moment in Sex and the City where Miranda and Steve meet on the bridge because of course they're both still in love with each other and I thought that was really interesting because of course everyone I've ever known in my life like anything that happens to us in our relationships we compare to Sex and the City (laughs) and you invented Sex and the City (laughs) and we're comparing something in your life to Sex and the City. Well I didn't invent that scene. You didn't invent right you you didn't invent the That was very far along but um Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't expecting to, you know, have that moment of remembering Samantha and Steve, but as soon as I crossed the bridge, it popped into my head, and then I was like, maybe we're going to see a Shakespeare play. Maybe this is real. <laughs> and it's interesting how, e- even if you're the most practical person, it's still so easy to have those fantasies. Right. And one of the things that I thought was uh, was interesting is it's actually easy to fall in love with somebody through a screen. And because you have all kinds of fantasies about them. And of course you don't know if you have any chemistry or not. Right. So I you know, I found myself in spite of knowing better, still falling into that trap of having these romantic fantasies. And I would think, you know, was looking at the pictures of the guys who would messengering me and trying to find clues and all of that kind of thing. And you just like invent a personality for them in your mind. And then you're like, that's definitely what they're like. And it's amazing. And they've (laughs) actually, yeah, they've done studies about that where they say that people will fill in the blanks of someone that they meet you know, online, they will fill in the blanks with positive things. Like that is, it's almost like this like little hopeful piece of human nature that Mm -hmm. we fill in the blanks about stuff that are positive. But I have to say, like when I was dating, I'm 32 now and I was dating all through my 20s and at that point online dating was kind of new. It was pre-Tinder, but it was almost like old school online dating. Like Match.com. Match.com, OkCupid, back before it was an app that was essentially Tinder. I did years ago try to go on match.com yeah. and this was when it first came out and I actually was still smoking cigarettes then right. so <laughs> just to put this in perspective I, to put, I put in my age and then you know do you smoke yes well there were literally two men in the whole country <laughs> <laughs> who like wanted it who would match smoke. 
<laughs> with somebody who smokes. So I was like, uh, no, I, this is not going to work. Was I, that just, the I don't, I don't have any any attributes that are, you know, drawing people to me. I guess I better just go to the bar. <laughs> better look at the bar. Yeah, and so when I was, I don't know, when I was doing it in my 20s, I felt like I was filling in the blanks with more positive things. But I have to say, like, now... You do the opposite. Yeah. yeah like now, and I feel like that was, you know, I was one of the people that you write about in your story, the sort of focus group of people on Tinder that we all went to your apartment and hung out and drank champagne and talked about all your matches and talked about dating in general, which was so fun. But I, you know, now I feel a lot more like pessimistic about it. Yes. And I want to know, like, you know, you had two experiences in the story. One is actually trying this and going on a date that went up in flames, but in sort of a funny, comical way. But like the other experience of writing this piece for you was like talking to all of us. And certainly you capture in your piece this sort of mood of feeling really uh, pessimistic well, about it. How do you, you feel? You know, I think I think one of the differences is that when when you meet people IRL in in real life it's you're getting so much information and if if there's a rejection element or you know it's it's very easy to absorb because you haven't really you haven't invested any time into um, you know that person whereas online you're already investing time into them and it seems like there's a lot of disappointment and a lot of letdowns and you know that proportion of you know datings it's always letdowns but then there were always moments where hey I met this guy really think this is gonna work he's calling we're seeing each other and it just it seemed so much easier to just get into a relationship with Hmm. someone yeah um you know you would meet somebody and it just seemed like it was a smoother road to a relationship. And now it feels like it's so bumpy and there's so many potholes, et cetera, that you can fall into. Yeah. And it seems like emotionally with the online dating, you know, one is constantly having to sort of mediate the, you know, rejection and the disappointment. And there's probably a little bit more of that just because of the nature. And I think that that is, that's what's hard. Right. Because, you know, it's hard to stay positive um, when you've had a lot of disappointing experiences, like, you know, one after another. Right. Whereas in the past, it was like, you have a couple of disappointing experiences, but you'd have a couple of really good ones. Right. So there was a balance. And, you know, it's it's hard to keep, you know, believing in yourself and, right. you know, feeling good about yourself when you're kind of being rejected on, you know, the wrong hair color. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. I, and in a sense, it reminds me when I first came to New York and I would go on auditions for TV commercials. And you would walk in, there would be two or three, 400 women lined up, you know, each more beautiful than the next. 
And yet, you know, all of them are going to be rejected. Right. And as one woman said to me, this is the kind of audition where they'll, they'll reject you because your eyelashes aren't the right length. Mm. Mm. So it's, it's, it's oh my God, like, that's so like tender. Yeah. It's like going on an audition. Yeah. And there's something, I mean, even when I'm in the casting room and, you know, we're casting actors, being on the other side of that is also a, a disturbing situation because you are forced to judge people in ways that you normally never would. Right. And in a sense, that's what we're doing online. It's like we're all auditioning. Right. And I think that's a really good comparison. But one thing that's a little sad about that is like, you know, maybe the first time you were in a casting room that felt a little like icky, like, oh, I don't know, maybe I would want to give this person a shot. And then you get used to yes. it. And it's See, not icky it's, anymore. It, that I mean, that's what I think that's what happens is, you know, one gets you do get used to this idea of you know not being too attached and being you know stepping back and really in a sense you're not really looking at somebody as a person you're in a looking at them a little bit as a commodity right and the more you do it the more you get hardened to it and of course what is difficult is that you know, when you're on, doing the online dating and you do get a thick skin. And I mean, I found at the end of it, I was like, I don't care. Right. Which is, I mean, the whole time I was worried about Jude, you know, like what's right. going to happen to him? Right. I mean, I was seriously worried about him. I was like, I've got to give him help. Maybe he can I can give him some advice. Maybe I could even give him some little job. Yeah. <laughs> and like he seems I, like he needs them. He needs a job. And then is it, the postscript to this that Jude is your assistant now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like I didn't date him, He's but I hired very, him. He is very cute, I have to say. And he was he was actually a doll. Um, but it's you know having that scar tissue is sort of the opposite of what you need in a relationship, right? Because in a relationship, you you know you want to be open. And you want to be loving and you want to be giving. Right. But it seems like everybody has all this scar tissue, so it's hard to get that back. Right. When we were at your apartment, which, is again, is one of the scenes that you write about in the story, getting bombed on champagne, one of the things <laughs> you said that I really haven't been able to stop thinking about, and this didn't make it into the story, but you said we were talking about Sex in the City, the show, which before we got to your place, we were sort of like, how long, like, is it embarrassing if one of us, like, brings it up? And then I think you brought it up first, and we we're like, oh, great, now we can talk about Sex in the City, which, of course it's impossible to have a conversation about relationships and not reference the book or the show. <laughs> but you are talking about the very end of the television series and how Carrie ends up with Big, and you were like, that would never happen in real life. <laughs> Which I think, of course, is partly cover colored by your own experience with the real Mr. Big. But I thought that was interesting because ultimately you were saying that real life is more, <laughs> real life is not the fairy tale ending. And I don't know. I guess I was kind of hoping that you would have said the opposite that you know, real life it's can so, have the fairy tale it's, ending. Well, it's very. You seem it, optimistic. Mean, oh, you know what? I'm optimistic because I'm optimistic about life, and right. I I feel, you know, I feel optimistic about. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm a whole person. And, you know, in general, I'm optimistic. I'm really committed to my work. And um, so I feel like I'm somebody who 
they have that thing that they talk about your higher purpose. Right. <laughs> you know, okay, my higher purpose is to occasionally make people laugh. And so I don't have that feeling of like, oh, a, you know, the marriage is going to end up solving all the problems. And it's very, it's always a tricky thing for me because I know that young women really want that story of Carrie and Mr. Big to be true. Um, the same way we want the story of, you know, Mr. Darcy mm -hmm. to be true as well. Uh, you know, Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth Bennet. The problem is I'm now at an age where I've seen so many people go through the what I call the relationship life cycle mm -hmm. where uh, they thought they weren't going to meet anybody and then they meet this great guy well you know what marriage is hard mm -hmm. and you know even two great people in a relationship things really can go awry so uh, you know I've seen you know the full cycle of you know the getting married, having kids, and then the marriage is not working out, and then, you know, it's divorce, and, you know, this happens to a, a lot of women. Mm -hmm. And as much as we love love and the idea of love, there is also, you know, the reality that depending on somebody else for your happiness is not going to be a good idea. I think I would have been okay. I think at the time, Sex and the City, when the series ended, ended exactly the way that as a fan I wanted it to end. I do think now that I'm in my 30s and feel like love doesn't exist, <laughs> I feel like I could have been okay with her making the decision or the series ending with like my life being about my friends and my life being about having this full, amazing, successful happiness like in New York City. This is, well, that's interesting that you bring that up because, um, you know, people have been tweeting like crazy about Candace's story. Um, and one thing that I've seen people tweeting is n that is not even related to the story, but is like a quote from, I believe, from the original Sex and the City book um, that's like, something about like maybe your friends are your soulmates or your yes. true soulmates. Well, I have seen a lot of people like bringing that up now that like they're whatever thinking about you and Sex in the City more. Well, you and, know, that um, was actually, I, I mean, that was really one of the things that inspired me to write Sex in the City in the first place because I was in my 30s. And, you know, again, had seen a lot of friends with relationships, you know, the men come and go, but it really, in a city like New York, um, your your girlfriends are your family, and you know that that's a that was a reality, and that was really how you know we as women were, you know, kind of making it in New York because we had these strong female friendships. Um, you know it. I mean, sort of ideally, like if you're, you know, married or you have a partner, um, it's a, you know, it can be a very healthy thing. Um, usually when people are, you know, partnered up and committed to each other, 
they've answered that question of who am I going to be with. So it allows them to focus on other things in their life. Um, you know, it can be career, children, those those kinds of things. Um, and there's always a strength when you're in a, a partnership because ideally, ideally you have somebody to kind of fall back on and to help you. Um, and if you're a single woman, you don't have that. So your girlfriends are, in a sense, you know, your soulmate. You're, you know, they're your emotional partners who are there for you. I think that even though that was written, like, obviously before Tinder and online dating and when you were dating in real life, it feels like more real now Yeah, in the age of Tinder because... Like you said, there's so much more like disappointment, right? And just it's like, like constant rejection. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I feel like when you were dating, like maybe someone would have a boyfriend for a little while and then back, and now it's just like you're just going on like first date after first date. So there's not even that element. Um, but the brilliant um, relationship therapist Esther Perel says has this thing about how like your partner, like people want their husband or their partner to be their best friend and their business partner and, and like lover. a great lover yes. and like everything and it's like they can't be everything to you so maybe the thing they shouldn't be is your best friend right like maybe they should be a good lover and like a supportive partner and other things and your but your female friends should remain your best friends um and i love which that feels like very like now very now yeah i love that and also like Emma, you know this. I have like a best friend. I live with my best friend, Gina, and just like I think I've talked about her. And you introduce her as your best friend, Gina. Gina. (laughs) Yeah, it's like creepy. But there isn't like (laughs) Gina and I always talk about this where like there is just not any model for that in society. Like, for instance, like if Gina got a job across the country, I would consider like uprooting my life and moving across the country because we're best friends. Okay, listen, I just moved to Sag Harbor because my two best friends live there. <gasps> I love that. Aww, that's great. I want to come one hang of, out with you guys. Uh, one of my friends <laughs> moved. Of course, you know, we have like the cheapest houses in Sag Harbor, believe me. <laughs> um, but one of my friends moved and then she convinced another one of our best friends to move there. Then they convinced me, and now we've actually convinced a couple of our other girlfriends. So I think we've now have like six really I good friends, that. and we all decided, you know, let's yeah. if we can live in a close proximity to each other, let's do that. Are and these so you can be friends? in there. Yes, they're mm-hmm. friends I've had. I mean, one of one friend I think I've had for like. I hate to say it, probably like 30 years. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you go in and out of each other's houses, and I usually go to their houses and take over their barbecues and cook and stuff. But it's really fun, and it's relaxed. Yeah. That sounds so it delightful. Actually, it is. It is. But on the other hand, you know, everybody's over a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's... You, you can look forward to that. <laughs> um, really quickly, I want to talk about bed face. Um, I've talked about this in the past podcast before, and yet I weirdly feel like talking about sheets is super relevant in our conversation <laughs> that's kind of been about sex. But bed face um, promises to be the best damn sheets on the internet. They are a website that's really fun to shop where they have 24 mix and match colors. So you can get like a, a blue bottom sheet and a teal top sheet, which is what I have, or maybe maybe actually that's the other way around.
around. But um, the whole idea of Bedface is that you're ordering your bed sheets directly from bedface.com. So they are promising to pass along the savings to you, sort of cut out the middleman situation. 100% long staple cotton that is designed for comfort and breathability. Um, I have a pair that I absolutely love, and you can get your own pair at bedface.com today and use promo code COSMO to get 20% off your order. You can do, they have, a, I think, like a few girly shades of pink if you want a total like sex in the city up your room, mm-hmm. um, which I am absolutely recommending. So bedbase.com, use promo code COSMO and get 20% off your order. Candice, you're in the process of moving, so like throwing I, that out I need <laughs> I need new sheets. <laughs> you know, every time someone comes to to you know do a little bit of cleaning they're like um do you have any other sheets i'm like what's wrong with those sheets i've had them for 20 years they've got holes in them so what that Who cares? Is, that is one of the there's sheets. no one in my bed yeah <laughs> i have like my bed there might be now that you're on tinder right exactly well i don't think so so you're not you're not using tinder anymore it was just an experiment for the story and it, not you your know it, it was just an experiment although well one of the things that happened is that i my phone fell into the toilet. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. And, you know, um, nobody tells you that your phone is going to be shot after that. Yeah. Like, you should take the cover off and dry it, whatever. So I lost everything. And there was there were moments when I was really sad. I was like, how am I ever going to meet a guy now you know if I'm not like online because the reality is I'm like everybody else I'm not meeting a guy in a, a bar I'm not meeting a guy anywhere yeah um so it's you know there's a real feeling of fear like if you're don't go on these dating apps you could are be, you missing out you know are you missing right. out like and how are you going to meet people so you know on the other hand you know, there's also a part of me that it's just not in my nature to have, like, strangers kind of in my life. It actually, right. it makes me un- a little bit uncomfortable. I think that And is, I don't know if that's human. I mean, yeah. that, that's. I think that's just being a certain age yeah. and not having grown up with, you know, everyone being online. But it's like... I think, no, I was going to say, like... I feel like intense stranger danger about meeting people online, <laughs> which, you know, of course, meeting someone in a bar and talking them to them for 10 minutes, like there's no, you know, you could talk to a serial killer in a bar for 10 minutes, but there is a way that I feel just a little more red flaggy about meeting people online, even though I met my last boyfriend online and we dated for a million years and he was not a serial killer, um, at least yet, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, like so many people do it and have positive experiences but like there is that way and this is one of the things you mention in the piece like there's that way you don't get a sense of their humanity when it's just like through a screen yes but I don't know Emma how did you meet your husband we never asked yeah okay I met him through my sister so that in itself like he had like an endorsement right because she knew him well so it was like well he he can't be terrible right like she likes him Right. right And he's already part of your world. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, that's the thing that it's, you can think that you have things in common with someone, you know, online, but then 
in person you realize you really have nothing right in common with them you don't have you know you don't have similar values you don't have similar experiences you don't really have anything in common right Candace, you describe me in your piece as a bubbly 32-year-old, which I think is 100% accurate. But that's actually one thing I think about online. You know, like, I have my, like, dumb little pictures and my little whatever. But, like, I know that I'm, like, energy plus all the time, always. And I don't... That doesn't really, like, come through on the internet. I'm always like, are people going to be terrified when they meet me? Yeah, and I think also, like... In a great way. Like... Some people can have, like, a dark sense of humor, and it's really endearing when they, like, with their, paired with their mannerisms and whatever in person. Right. But, like, online, it's, like, creepy as hell. Right. If you make, like, a, like, murder joke. Yeah. (laughs) Which I do all the time. Right. You love murder jokes. That's totally your beat. Um, But, yeah, I, I think there's something so real about just, like, needing to look into someone's eyes. Like, I make this, like cheesy joke all the time to my husband that like I'm just I just feel like he has like really kind eyes (laughs) and I was like I feel like I was just like look attracted to your eyes because they just you just like look kind oh my god I'm gonna vomit well uh, well, wait (laughs) see this is one of the real pluses of like the in-person thing um because that's really how people fall in love is Mm -hmm. looking into each other's eyes so you know, I mean, if it's like one thing that I do when I'm talking to men, like I always look into their eyes <laughs> and it works, but you've got to do it, you know, in real life. That, yeah. But it, it's really that connection in the eyes. And when people are falling in love, well, they used to. Remember when you'd like make out and then you would like be staring at each other's, into each other's eyes. And yeah. Mm-hmm. You would memorize every aspect of the guy's face and you would almost feel like that person is becomes part of your DNA. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's oh, kind it of a great so, feeling. Yeah, it sounds so delicious the way you describe it. One uh, thing that I think Tinder has made people better at or just has like been an improvement in general is that I think you just have to know yourself a lot better. Um, yeah. You just have to be able to like look at someone and be like, be like, in person, you can be like, well, maybe I like him a little bit and we'll go on a date and try it. But I think on Tinder, you have to just be like, that's not my type and I just know it and I'm not even going to give it a chance. And oh. maybe that's like ruining, ruling stuff out too early, but I think it's just a matter of like really knowing what you want. Well, mm. I think that's true. I mean, that's true in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, when it comes to dating is knowing what you want and knowing what you're looking for makes it a lot easier yeah just I think in general yeah and you know the truth is I remember when I was in my early 20s and a lot of my girlfriends had the same experience like if you went out with a rocker guy suddenly you were a rocker chick if you went out with a banker then it was like oh I'm you know dressed like the Upper East Side (laughs) but I mean that was one thing that I did when I was in my early 20s it's like my, my personality changed with like every different type of guy right mm-hmm. and and I think dating is a way of figuring out who you who are, you are. And, exactly. and it's a way of trying on different personas and all of that and I, I mean my feeling is that I think when you're young I think people should go right on a lot of dates and you should you know you really should try to get to know 
people and, you know, different people. Right. And that is actually one of the great things about Tinder and online dating is it just gives you such an enormous amount of, you know, people to choose from. Right, right, right. For better, you know, for better, for worse. (laughs) Um, I have... I want to ask you guys about an online date. I just went on a second date, and you guys can tell me if I went on a if I should go on a third. And Candace, I have one more question for you about sort of your writing career um, that I want to ask you guys before we have to wrap up here. But um, really quick, I do want to talk about Casper mattresses, which um, I, we're like on a whole bed theme, which again fits in perfectly with the episode. <laughs> but um, Casper.com, you can get an obsessively engineered mattress at a really, really good price. Um, mattresses start at $500 which anyone who's ever bought a mattress recently knows that they can cost three times that much. Um, so the whole idea is ordering online. You're getting, you're really saving on getting this super high quality product. And like, what in my life do I not do online, including dating, buying mattresses, everything else? So um, it's risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days. Um, and if you don't like it, send it on back. They promise the return will be painless, which I think is really good to know, because like, how does one return a mattress? Um, also, all the mattresses are made in America, which is kind of difficult to find. If you guys check out casper.com slash Cosmo, um, you can get $50 toward your mattress purchase. I think I have to legally say terms and conditions apply, <laughs> but $50 off casper.com slash Cosmo. Um, so I mentioned I have one more question for you, Candace, about your writing career. But first, I want to tell you guys about a date. I don't know what to do. I met this guy not on Tinder on a different dating site, Coffee Meets Bagel. I've gone on two yes. dates with him. I don't even know if I like him. Like, what is that? What he's, do you mean? He's smart. He's funny. I really like talking to him. We made out. He's a good kisser. But I just like don't know. I think if you leave and you're not just like smitten, you I don't yeah. like him. Okay. I, I mean, I, you know, I. People, oh, you know, there's always this idea of like, well, maybe you don't like him that much at first and you'll learn to love right. him. Right. I, I've never had that experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I know other people who have. I mean, but I think that you should be really, really excited about seeing yeah. the person because it's a, it's a lot of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's usually my strat is like to want to be just like obsessively excited about yeah. everything. So if I'm not, it's just like, no. I, okay. Yes. But you know what? On the other hand, somebody could argue, well, this is a different experience. You're not so much in your comfort zone. Right. Maybe mm-hmm. it's worth trying out right. because you've tried the other ways and that hasn't worked. So. Right. Right. All right. Well, remains I, to be I seen. say give him one more shot. Okay, give him one more shot. What if yeah. I end up like falling deeply in love with him, and then in the at like our wedding, I play this moment of the podcast, being like, <laughs> "Do I even like this human?" <laughs> I hope, and me I being hope. like, "No, no, dump exactly, him. exactly." Okay, and one then more you shot. can say, "Candace Bush now told me to exactly. go on a third date. <laughs> she was right." <laughs> I will invite you to the wedding, Candace. Also, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to play this earlier. I need to just like play this real quick. <laughs> You really should have opened the podcast with I us. I meant to. I totally forgot. That was only six seconds, which I think legally was all, all I'm allowed to play. But um, Candace, what I wanted to ask you, so this was the first time in 20 years that you had written about dating. Did this, do you want to keep writing about it? You've done so many novels. Did this sort of awaken any desire to write about your own dating life? I mean, it was so important the first time around. You know, it actually has 
um, you know, I'm, of course, you know, my agent and my friends who are my age want me to write about, you know, this particular age of being middle age because mm-hmm. there hasn't been a lot written There's about it. There's been nothing written about There's it. There's nothing written about it. It's almost like, you know, middle aged people, it's like we don't even know if we're supposed to be having sex or not. Right. Because we're not going to be reproducing. Right. You know, unless we go to well, Italy or whatever. The new thing but, of like being, like, I think that's more and more common is like women being single for life. For sure. Yes. You well, know? I mean, I think. Or they, divorced later in life. Yes. I mean, it's, you know, the reality is 80, 90% of women are going to end up single at some point because mm-hmm. um, they're going to get divorced or statistically one's husband dies, you know, tends to die early. Men tend to die a little bit earlier. Men, men die off. <laughs> Survival um, of the fittest, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I, you know, I'm always fascinated by people. Um, you know, so for me, when I write these pieces, it's, you know, I feel like I'm sort of moving through the world, but I don't, I feel like it's a, my point of view, but I don't think it's so much about me. Right. I think it's really about a sort of cultural anthropology of how people are behaving and why. Um, and it's a fascinating time because, like, never in history has there been the internet. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, there there were books, you know, 200 years ago, but there was, you know, no internet. Right. So people are really, it is a different world. And, it, you know, there's parts of it that feel like, oh, my God, I can't believe people are doing this. But then there's another part of me that's like, you know, human beings are human beings, and this is what they're doing and how they're behaving now. Right. And that's fascinating to me. Well, I think you actually exactly verbalized something that I feel in my heart and why I want you to keep writing. And I loved this piece so much and have loved everything you've written so much. But I want you to keep writing because I guess exactly what you said. It's You're right that it's not actually really about you. It's like you no. are making sense of the world for me and for the millions of Cosmo readers and non-Cosmo readers out there and that's so important and so we need your voice to keep making sense of all of these things and making them feel hopeful and funny and I also think it makes people feel like you're not alone right yeah I mean the fact of the matter is we're all in the same boat with the dating I mean it's all over the world right Mm -hmm. right so keep writing. Unfortunately. Yes. Keep writing. Keep writing for Cosmo. Um, and where, as we have to wrap up here, where is the best place for people to follow you and tell you how much they love the story and um, at your website, on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Um, Candace Bushnell. I'm on Instagram. Um, I know I have a website. I don't ever go on it because it seems so like old fashioned. Right, right, right. Like, it was a website. I haven't yeah. even updated it. I think for like four years. Right. No that's one goes the, on. You know, yeah, but the, the usual Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> um, Instagram. 
Okay, so everyone follow Candice everywhere. Um, buy all of her books, which you can do through her website, CandiceBushnell.com, even though she hasn't updated it in four years. <laughs> <laughs> Candice, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about this experience, for writing this amazing piece that you did for Cosmo, and really just for everything you've given me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I had so much fun, by the way. You guys were the best, and you know, the only thing is about our little... When we met and we had the champagne, yeah. I don't know what happened. I was listening to the tape. Thank God nobody else could listen to it. I ended up getting drunk. <laughs> and everybody else was like drinking champagne, but they weren't drunk. And at the end of it, I was like, well, I'll tell you another thing. I was like, oh my God. This is so embarrassing. Please burn that tape. Let's hope that never services. That was where all the secrets came out. But no, yeah. it was so fun. And I definitely had a hangover. Um, and Emma, thank you as well for joining us today. And we will see you guys next week on the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour Podcast. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.